You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable podcast, your go-to podcast for Catholic ministry shop talk. Episode 14, Why Rebrand a Diocesan Office? An interview with Anthem Philly. What do Our Lady of Guadalupe, Apple, and Anthem Philly have in common? In this episode, we talk to Megan and Jacob, directors of the Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry, and they tell us why they went through a rebranding process, why they chose a new name, and how this process has all been rooted in their mission to create intentional disciples. Even if you're not involved in youth or young adult ministry, this interview will help you think about how your ministry builds trust with the people you serve. And that trust is essential if you want to bring them closer to Christ. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today is a good day. It is a beautiful day in Philadelphia. My name is Alan, and I am joined in studio today with Jacob King and Megan Maestrioni. Am I close? Close. These guys are the director and the associate director for the Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, now known as Anthem Philly. And we're going to talk to them today about that, what's behind the new name and the new branding. Now, you guys are new to the Philadelphia area, correct? Yes, more or less. Yeah. More or less. I, I lived in Philly for four years after graduation, moved away, but now I'm back and couldn't bear to be away from Philly for it, much longer. It so. happens. But Jacob, Jacob's new. <laughs> yeah, I'm brand new to Philadelphia. So my first time in Philadelphia was for my interview. Um, so I'm, I'm brand new, um, originally from Michigan, and then I went to Steubenville. Uh, and then lived in Pittsburgh, Morgantown, West Virginia, and then here. Awesome. And Jacob, what brought you to Philly? The money. <laughs> yeah, really the money. Oh, so you're working no. for the church. Yeah, working for the church. Yeah, big money. Uh, so a combination of um, things. I worked uh, with Bob Lesnefsky or Righteous Bee, and I worked in campus ministry for four years, and I was looking for a different position and this director's position opened up and I read through the job description at the end, it said Jim Beckman. And I always remember Bob talked about when he was in eighth grade troublemaker, he was at a confirmation <laughs> retreat and there was some dude speaking, his name was Jim Beckman and he went outside and Jim came up to him and said, I know this sounds crazy, but the Holy Spirit just told me we're going to work together in ministry. And so I always remember that story and I saw Jim Beckman. So I was like, all right, I think this is a job I want to apply to. I called Bob. He's like, definitely do it. So he called Jim, and then one thing led to another, and I'm here in Philly. Wow. I've never heard that story. That's awesome. I did not know that connection between Jim. Unless he lied to me, <laughs> and then I just called him out. Well, you, I'm sure you know Bob better than I do, but yeah. it seems like that'd be his thing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, great. So, okay, so Megan, so you were here, you left, and you're back, and you came for the job as well because the money is so good. It's all about the bennies. All about the venues. <laughs> yeah, I, um, like I said in the beginning, was in Philly for four years doing pro-life ministry. I really wanted to do um, counseling, pro-life ministry and counseling well, for, you, for, yeah. for women. It's funny how the twists and turns of life and God just put me here um, in this position, which is so much 
bigger than I ever would have imagined for myself. Um, but I, I, I left for a few years, like I said, went to Baltimore and did campus ministry there. And um, after five phone calls from separate people, actually a few of which work in this building here, Recension <laughs> Press, called me. He was like, hey, there's this job opening at the Archdiocese. I was like, nope. Not going to take it. I'd like to get back to Philly one day, but not going to work for an archdiocese. I don't know if I should say that out loud. Um, but <laughs> but um, after the fifth most random person got in touch with me, I, I knew that it was you know probably God's will. So um, And it didn't, it has exceeded my expectations. Other than working with Jacob, it's fantastic. Yeah. So what are your official titles then for the diocese, for the archdiocese of Philadelphia, for our listeners? I am the queen. Um, and Jacob is the janitor. <laughs> I was going to say jester, the toilet cleaner. Uh, I am the associate director and Jacob is the fearless leader, uh, director of youth and young adult ministry. Um, and we'll be talking a little bit more uh, about transitioning into just saying always, uh, Anthem Philly or Anthem. So technically Jacob is the director of Anthem. I am the associate director of Anthem. And we've sort of formulated the positions where director and associate director, we've sort of made them our own. So Megan is more of like the director of partnerships. She's amazing at making connections with people. And I'm sort of like the lead strategist. Um, and so our, our gifts just complement each other. And we've been working together to expand our team and just bring on people that complement um, our weaknesses as well. Great. So when did you guys officially start? So I started July 5th and Megan started September 1st of 2016. Okay. And when did Anthem Philly become a thing? So we had talked about it. So the first thing I did when I got into the office, um, the office had been shut down for four years. Um, so there was a binder and sort of, um, oh, it, not a floppy disk. What is that? Jump drive. Jump drive. Yeah, okay. yeah, senior moment. Floppy moment. disk. Um, How old are you, Jacob? <laughs> and so, and Chris Stefanik had, had come in and he had done the original vision. Um, and so I was thinking through what I could do and I was, I knew we needed good media. So I reached out to a company, Glass Canvas. I saw them from Focus um, and we immediately hit it off. Um, and so I was talking with them and poor Megan, like she was shopping her first day before she even started. And so I had her on a call while she was at the grocery store with Glass Canvas uh, and just conspiring to take over the world. But we had talked about, so the new evangelization calls for new methods and new expressions. And we're looking at what the title was, Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry. Like we just sound a little bit too authoritative and a little bit mm. too distant from people. Mm -hmm. And we both come from backgrounds that we never thought we would work for our diocese. We always wanted to be in the trenches. So we didn't, we wanted to kind of knock down that wall. And we thought we were pretty hip uh, for thinking about this. So we're going around to youth ministers and telling them the ideas. And before we could say it at one youth minister meeting, there was a, there was a mom who was in her 50s. She said, you know what you guys need to do? And we're like, what? She's like, you need to change the name youth ministry. Kids hate it. And so we're like, wow, if, if, Everybody is starting to see this. Maybe we should take um, take a shot in the dark and and do it. And so we um, so we worked with Glass Canvas, and we can walk through the process that we went through. Okay, so Jacob, so tell me why um, tell me why you chose the name Anthem, and then what is that process you walk through? So the and, and how long did that take? Yeah, I'm the process too. took us. It took us a while. 
um, it seemed like forever. But first, what we had to do before that, we uh, used Lancioni and we wrote a playbook and a strategic plan. So we went out and did what was called a sprint with Glass Canvas. It's a five day where they lock you in a room, the great espresso, so Kinda you're really like high in caffeine. <laughs> yeah, you're bouncing off the walls and you're just coming up with the playbook of why you exist, your core values, like what you're gonna do. Um, so we did that first to figure out what a name would be. We needed that in order to be reflected in our name. And then we went through, and this is one of the first times they've done it. I think it's through Lexicon. They have a name your company in eight hours. But both wow. Megan and I are pretty stubborn. So it took about, <laughs> what, eight days <laughs> at least. Yeah. And we went back and forth. So it's a whole process um, that's set out. So we, were, we looked at diagrams. Like, first, do we want to sound more friendly or do we want to sound more authoritative? Some companies need to sound more authoritative. Um, but we wanted to stray all the way towards friend. And next, was it more, do we want to sound churchy? Do we want it to be explicit that we're from the Catholic Church, or do we want to sound more secular? And we're looking at different companies, different lay apostolates, and we felt to stick to our core values of really living in the belong stage, mm -hmm. um, that we wanted to go towards secular. So then we set out and we, we did some prayer on themes that came to us. Um, so we spent about an hour each and coming up with themes. Uh, one theme that came to both of us was the song in Shawshank Redemption, when Andy traps himself in the office and he plays that music for people <laughs> trapped in prison. Uh, and we're like, all right, so we're thinking through that process. So as long story short, is we, we limited it, eliminated it down to a couple themes and a, a couple names that matched that, those themes. And at first we did not like the names. Uh, in any of them, you didn't like any of them. And Anthem was on there, and we were like, "No, we would never name yeah. ourselves Anthem." <laughs> and we went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and finally it just clicked. And I'm super visual, so they were able to show it to me on a poster, mm -hmm. and they showed it to us on a poster, and we're like, "There it is." And it and it came to both of us is that what we're trying to do as an archdiocese is we're trying to to get people to unite lay apostolates, youth ministers, campus ministers, and sort of sing the same song. Uh, we all have different roles, different instruments to play, and we just see ourselves more as conductors, like leading people, getting people together, and just take this head on together. Um, one of my favorite, I love movies, and one of my favorite scenes is in Gladiator when they all go out and he leads them and they all come together. Um, and it's through them working together that they were able to stay alive and I think that going into to ministry right now, the statistics are pretty horrendous as far as millennials' faith. It's like close to 40% nons. So we need to stick together, work together to, to bring about a change. Hmm. So Megan, the poster he was talking about, was there some, what was it about the poster that struck you guys? Like what about the visual um, was so appealing? Was it like a, I'm picturing like a, like, guitar strings and chords or something. I don't know what the picture was, but that's what I have in my head. So what 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 was it? And what was it about the, vi the visual that struck you guys? Well, the original visual, it actually, it's not something that we're necessarily going to use. It's not like a, you know, integral part of our office. It was actually a picture of a lion, <laughs> a really like gorgeous and just fierce lion, very majestic, right? Um, and it was very slick and attractive. And that's actually part of our, our operational values is everything we do 
every event we have, we want it to be attractive, not for superficial reasons, but to draw people in who have been going to church for 25 years or who haven't ever stepped into a church. I mean, we would love to, to have that kind of attractive quality. Um, so the poster itself was just very attractive. And we actually, part of our branding too, we were very drawn to the story of David. He mm. was a poet. He was a fighter. He was a mystic. He, he sinned. He lamented. I mean, he, his heart was just, he poured out his heart in song and in poem. And um, it was just a raw human journey that he, he led. And um, we were very drawn to that. You know, someone that we can really relate to and um, look up to as well, a man after God's own heart. So um, there was a lot of different line, I guess, themes in our branding process. And so it kind of came up a few times. So when we saw the lion and Anthem together, we thought, okay, we could make this actually really cool. And also in the whole process too, I really took a step back and this might sound silly, but I never really thought twice about different companies that are really killing it, like Apple. Okay, it's a, it's a picture of an apple, a half-eaten apple. Mm -hmm. And if you take it, if you look at it, it's like, that's so weird. <laughs> that's like one of the first words you learn in like how to spell in kindergarten, right? Apple. And, and it's the brand, it's the personality or Google. That sounds mm -hmm. like something you would learn as a, an infant that how to say Google. Um, <laughs> So, but they, they're successful because they're, they, they're sticking to their brand promise. So I wasn't as hell bent on the name Anthem. You know, I really warmed up to it. Now I, I love it and it makes complete sense with our mission. But now that we're going to, you know, we're building this brand, which is like building almost like a person. It's like a personality. And even as we grow and develop as an office, we're learning the different characteristics and traits of the brand and and we want to stick to that and i think it's going to be the whole package that we hmm. we deliver yeah interesting and partly on anthem too what when you take when you work for an archdiocese you have to realize the diversity uh, and not every name is going to appeal and so it's really hard for me to get over my personal preferences and think of the larger picture um but we want to be all things to all people. And the thing about Anthem is it has a secular um, sort of meaning, but it's, it's, also, it's also its second definition is it was a bi biblical composition or a biblical song. Hmm. So it has that underlying um, theme of being rooted in Christian culture, but it's enough, it's separated enough that somebody wouldn't immediately, if they have something against the church, or Christianity, they want immediately be turned off. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm not a marketing guy, but I like um, some of the psychology behind why you would market something a certain way. Mm -hmm. And think about like what the process you guys went through. As somebody working in a parish, like what would you tell somebody who's maybe thinking about rebranding their their young adult ministry or faith formation or um, all of their religious education or that sort of thing? What would you recommend to them? Because I, th I, I imagine they're going to get some pushback like I got, which was, um, why do you want to name it something else when you've got the gospel of Jesus Christ? Like, why don't you just tell them that? And I was trying to explain to people, well, you know, if, if somebody's not already sold on Jesus, when you say Jesus, they're, what they, their first image might be a bad experience. It might be just like the, the, 
um, spaghetti monster. It could just be something, you know, like a fictitious legend. And so it's not going to appeal to somebody who's, who's not already sold on Jesus. And so it's got to be a, a name. If we want to attract people that aren't coming, that we need a name that's going to attract them. Okay. So um, Our Lady of Guadalupe, you know, she looks like a native. And um, I, I absolutely love that. The mother of God, the queen of the universe. And, and the humility and the knowledge of those people at that time, we can't disregard, we can't discredit where these kids are in this time. And so we have to meet them where they're at. We have to go to them. We have to speak their language. And, and it's not, it's not getting rid of, or being, you know, inauthentic. It's becoming more of who you're created to be and being totally authentic and, and, and your gifts and your quirkiness and your humor and your spirituality and all those things. But then also meeting meeting people where they're at. If a youth minister was thinking about rebranding, what I would say to them, first and foremost, the most important thing is not rebranding. Like a name can only go so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the overall vision. To us, the most important is discipleship. It's like yeah. it, the, it's the bread and butter. It's creating leaders, Catholic leaders, who are able to go into their businesses, friends group, and really build trust all the way to intentional discipleship. So that's the bread and butter. Like yeah. If you're going in, that's what you're going to do. What we're hoping to do over our branding and in, in internet is not convert somebody. It's try to just build a little bit of trust and curiosity so we can get these kids in relationship and take them by the hand uh, and yeah, and to to Megan's point, like if you want to, um, like you you want to appeal to the people, and if it, and if it comes out organically that you need to change the brand or the name, that's one thing. But to say like we're just gonna, we're not getting people to come to youth, so we're going to change our name, and therefore if we have a cool name, people will come. Like that is being inauthentic, like you were saying earlier, you know, as opposed to you know, so no kids are coming, so let's just call it you know Faith Adrenaline or something like that, and get kids to come, and that doesn't work. But if it's but if it comes organically out of your mission, which is to build disciples, then it makes sense to rebrand. Yeah, and it's just giving them a different feel. A lot of so in Philadelphia, just educating myself. A lot of people have been to Catholic school. A lot of people have had religious ed, and so it's giving. It's a it's a new feel. It's we're more grassroots, organic. Um, it's just like Megan said. It's meeting people where they're at, and and ministry is messy, mm-hmm. um, and it's getting involved in people's life. And we just want to get the chance. We want to do whatever we can. To, to bridge that gap and just let that kid say, all right, I'll, I'll get into a relationship with this guy. I'll go have a coffee. Um, so anything that will assist those efforts. Man, preach it, brother. Preach it, sister. <laughs> I love it. Um, so my next question to you would be, as the director of the ministry for the diocese, and knowing that, as you said, like discipleship happens in uh, on the human level and in, in, incarnational, if you will. And so it's people walking with people in the trenches and the parish level. So how, how do you see your role as diocesan directors facilitating that happening on the parish level? So traditionally, a lot of what has been done at the diocesan level is safe environment is is a lot of the forms, uh, which is okay, but if that was the, the sole part of our job, we would probably both quit today. Right. And so what we see ourselves doing at the archdiocese is really assisting the youth ministers and young adult leaders. A lot of youth ministers are left planning every single event. They're setting up every Christian service opportunity and they're strapped and they have to spend a lot of time behind the desk, which means they don't have a lot of time for relationships, for going to schools, getting involved in kids' life. 
what we want to do is provide three services that will sort of free them up to get into relationships, to get them out from behind that desk. And we want to plan live events where they can bring their kids and we've built trust with them that these kids will love it and they'll have a good chance of having a conversion. And we want to provide service opportunities where they can serve right here in Philadelphia. Um, and we also want to train and support them. We've been lucky to be in Jim Backman's Leadership Institute out in Denver, where the whole model is learning how to disciple. And so we want to take that back and we're going to do sprints of our own for the youth ministers to help them um, in all stages where walking with a kid. And just to kind of give you a little taste of what a sprint is. So actually, um, it we were put through sprints, like Jacob said, with glass canvas when we were in the uh, locked room, padded walls, helmets. <laughs> um, sorry, is that too far? Um, nope. Okay. <laughs> um, and that's when we strategized the the office and the and what's our mission? Why do we exist? How are we going to operate? And what are we to do? And we started from a blank slate. So through that process and through, like Jacob said, the the Leadership Institute with Jim Beckman and the books and the prayer and the different um, formation that we've gone through since we started and even before, prior to coming to Philadelphia, we're kind of taking all of it and packaging it up to tail and tailoring it specifically to a youth minister in this diocese. How can we give them the best training and support? And so when they come in, we're going to have these sprints, a three-day sprint, uh, where we're going through different strategies and youth ministry and your and, and specifically to tailor to their youth ministry. Um, so really getting to know them, getting and getting to know their parish, getting to know their uh, advantages and their disadvantages in the parish and really trying to like train, I guess, and, and, or even just support and encourage that discipleship model. Mm -hmm. That is where it's at. It's, and that's what kids, they are longing to be seen and they are longing to be known and they are longing, and we all are right. Mm -hmm. But I think in this digital age, if you will, I mean, they've grown up with this and so they're connected. They're very connected, but they're not in communion. I mean, they're being liked, but they're not being seen. You know, it's yeah. very superficial. So it's almost, they're at an advantage, really, youth ministers, because it takes a simple, like, authentic, like, look into someone's eyes and a reaching out that, hey, this person cares for me. And I I, I long for that. Um, so anyway, it's a little bit off, off tangent, but... Uh, the point is that we'll be bringing them in for these sprints. It's going to be a very holistic type training and also really praying with them and filling their spiritual core. That's huge. Mm -hmm. And that's something we've seen um, when we first got here. Our My second day, I think I, we had two meetings um, and they were both with different youth minister um, groups um, in Montgomery County, Montgomery County and Delaware County. And um just thrown right in and it was this it was resounding uh you know we're, we're hungry we're always putting ourselves at the ministry is difficult and the soul of the apostolate is what is most important so if we can literally just fill these these people give them opportunity before the lord and um really pray with them pray for them um i'd say that we're that's successful and 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 in turn right in that when you're when you're 
like really filled, I mean, what happens? You, you, you pour yourself out Mm -hmm. and the kids are attracted to that. They're attracted to that disciple, not someone who's, you know, putting on a really kick, butt uh, youth night per se, which is important. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that's right. Right. That, but that's not the heart of it. Right. That may get somebody there and maybe even bring them back once or twice, but like, yeah, it's that relationship. And like you said, they're longing They're I love that they're connected, but they don't have communion. That's huge. I love yeah. that. How you phrase that. Yeah. Um, Jacob, you're going to say something. And just on the training. Um, so for a youth minister, for people thinking like, could I be a youth minister? And then you have Megan who's super charismatic and she could go in and do anything and reach kids and build connections. But we're thinking youth ministry in order to survive, we need to take all types of people. So the training is really set in order, in order to do youth ministry. We want the youth minister is going to be the one who's walking with the mentors, who's building those who are going to be with the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just building leadership in their parish. And when a youth minister decides to leave or feels a call to another job, they've just left their parish with a whole bunch of leaders who can continue this work. Um, and step up. So we want to make sure that youth ministry is sustainable. Great. All right. So you guys work with youth and young adults. Um, <clears throat> and I think that a lot of the principles we apply to, to youth and young adults apply to the whole parish and apply to adults as well. I know a lot of, I've met a lot of adults who are, have the same overall humans. So we have the same longings, the same desires and the same, like you said, um, needs to be seen and heard and known and loved. So would these principles you're applying to youth groups as far as like taking them on the sprints and um, the holistic approach to their ministry, would you recommend that for somebody in adult faith formation or somebody in RCIA or somebody who's doing um, something else in the parish as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and, and it's not, you know, technically under our, I guess, quote unquote jurisdiction. Like, we, you know, we're working with the, the youth and the young adults, but adult faith formation, I think, to take someone to, I mean, to take someone by the hand to, to invest in, in their life and, um, not necessarily put on another program. And right, I don't right. want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, I'm not trying to like say, you know, another program is, is doomed to fail or bear no fruit. That's not true at all. But if you can have like a one, two punch, you know, put on a good program or a great adult faith formation, but then also really walk with people. And yeah. and I think too, not getting overwhelmed by that, like that's our call. That is every Christian's call, whether you are ministry or you're not, uh, we have a desire and it's very life-giving to bring people to Christ. Um, so what, whatever your role is in the church, I think a simple prayer, and I think it's a very dangerous prayer because I know God will act <laughs> um, to just ask the Lord, who do you want me to walk with? Who yeah. do you want me to, to bring to you? Um, and I know for myself, I would get very overwhelmed because I was at a high school and there was, I saw all my, all the girls every day, 500 girls. And I felt like I, I had to walk with all of them, <laughs> um, which is absolutely impossible. Um, even though I like kind of sickly tried at one point. <laughs> um, and then, <laughs> failed miserably um, just to pick one or two and and that you know the ripple effect of of discipleship it's um it's inevitable when you're open to the holy spirit and grace mm-hmm. in rcia these programs i think should be more 
They should be training the troops to go out. Like, how are we going to get new disciples? We could try to bring them to church, but I've tried to bring people to mass. And like Dr. Hahn, Dr. Bergsma at Franciscan would talk about, it's just not that evangelistic. It's yeah. already for the people who get it. Mm -hmm. How do we get new members? We got to train people to go out to their workplaces. Mm -hmm. And we need to, they need to be able to be trained in order. How do you talk with somebody? Or if somebody says something that's offensive to the Catholic faith, do you take it? Do you take it head on? Or do you sort of sideswipe it and try to establish the relationship first and just get to know the person? So these really should be the, the grounds where we're getting people into their workplaces, into their schools, where they can have a chance of making disciples that we really can't do on mm -hmm. the church grounds. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Father Mike Schmitz says, you know, mass is like an inside event. It's like an insider's event. You know, you can't, we can bring people to it, but they're, they don't know what's going on. And right. so it's not really, it's not designed to be that type of a thing. And so you got to do it somewhere else. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the people, 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 person to person connection, I think is missing in a lot of places because it's easier to just say, well, let's just put on this video or let's just show this. And it's much more difficult to say, okay, I'm going to invest in this person's life and I'm going to spend time with them and in their messiness in life to try and walk with them. That's a lot more difficult. takes a lot more time. And not that we shouldn't bring, if you can bring great speakers or somebody to an event to invite somebody to, I mean, if you're going to have me or Father Mike, obviously you're going to have Father Mike come to a church and talk to them. Um, but after that is when the real work happens and when you begin. Yeah, that's kind of our whole mission and vision, right? So we have this funnel um, at the top of the funnel would be so for young adults let's say the top of the funnel would be to put on some thing experiences i'd like to say rather than maybe an event just have an experience where it's attractive mm, yeah. it's inviting um and then from there to strategize okay so these people came to this event it was put on by the archdiocese a catholic organization interesting these people are normal hopefully um <laughs> attractive hopefully um you know welcoming you know just you know attractive in nature you know what i mean um mm -hmm. just welcoming and loving and and just down to earth and then offering from there okay so everybody whether you're catholic or not you know knows it's a good thing to serve um, and has a desire to serve, whether they recognize that or not. And so giving them some service opportunities or then maybe getting them plugged into some different events that we're going to be having or programs like Alpha, which is a good program. But if you're not walking with someone in that, it, you know, it, to have people in our office, through our office, whether they're volunteers or not to be putting on um, these alpha groups, inviting people in. From there, we would put on events through our office, like maybe a holy hour, a really well done holy hour. Now Jesus is there, so it's already going to be perfect in that sense. But really making it attractive, good music, you know, um, all the all the things that would not freak someone out. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, ultimately the, the tip of the funnel is to get people in relationship with Christ and yeah. walking with them at walking with him in a sacramental life. And, um, from there, the funnel starts all over. Right. And mm -hmm. then they have the desire to, mm -hmm. to, to perpetuate that in small ways in yeah. their whole, in their own life. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's all about Jesus. It sounds so cliche and so simple, but I mean, that is what it's all about. All right, so we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I've got one more question for these guys.
Hey guys, this is Shayna from Ascension. I don't know if you've heard, but with Ascension's new digital delivery platform, you can start a study with anyone, anywhere. Here's how to do it. First, go to ascensionpress.com and create a free online account. Once you're there, preview any of our study programs for free and choose the one you'd like to leave. Then, find at least three friends, family members, or coworkers who want to do the study with you. Once you have your group, make sure everyone registers to receive their study materials. Then, you're ready to go. Meet with your group in person, online, or both. It's that simple. And we're back. Can I ask you guys a personal question? Sure. Um, what is your uh, story? I think everybody has a story, like a testimony, if you will, as our Protestant brothers and sisters would say. What is your What is your story? Like, what is your 4 p.m. moment, or if you will? <laughs> I've heard it phrased a lot of different yeah. ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you want to go first? You can go first. Okay. Um, so, like I mentioned, um, I'm from upstate New York and um, grew up Catholic, um, going to church maybe on Christmas and Easter if we get there. But there were seasons. It's interesting. Looking back, there there were seasons where we would go weekly, but it just wasn't really part of our, our life. Um, parents, amazing uh, natural virtue, moral compass, you know, really. And I think they always had um, a desire for, for God and for a relationship with him. But um, it just was kind of a disconnect there. So um, I had two older brothers, one younger, and my two older brothers paved the way for me uh, to follow in their footsteps and just be a kind of party animal. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember even in eighth grade, my brothers were seniors in high school, um, you know, and we had this really big backyard and they'd throw these parties and little Mastriani was out, eighth grade me, and uh, I was just one of them, just really experimenting with things that, you know, a little child essentially right 14 years old shouldn't be um so i kind of was just involved in that i i was heavy into um you know dancing and that kind of culture and uh kind of went down a a dark path there for a little bit and and body image and all that which is beautiful how god has redeemed that now and how he uses that experience in women's ministry but um yeah so i i uh was introduced to the concept of youth group because Bob was the new youth minister at the parish in Schenectady, uh, just a you know, few minutes away from where I'm from. And my brother Tom had to get his, he had to go on this confirmation retreat. And if I'm recalling co- correctly, he went to a party the night before, so he went over a little bit um, out of it let's put it that way um and he came back just a different man a different person and a really kind of like saint paul conversion and i remember being kind of freaked out by it and my family being a little freaked out by it wondering what this whole cult thing was and people at school would call him father tom and he started to grow his hair out and like stop going to parties and so i actually went to a party was in ninth grade and I went over to my friend Ashley's house to do a social studies project. And for the She's listeners, air I did air quotes like <laughs> Dr. Evil um, and <laughs> Austin Powers. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, so um, I went over to Ashley's to do the project. Right. And and of course, we, we wound up just coincidentally at this party 
that my brother's friends, seniors in high school were, were throwing. And I took Tom's place and they all were, you know, felt very sad and lonely that Tom had left. But as long as I was there to take his place and kind of carry on the party legacy, that'd be fine. Well, Tom was on a mission to convert his friends. So he actually showed up at the party. And I'll never forget it. I can picture it if I close my eyes. I'm sitting on some guy's lap, which is really embarrassing. And Tom walks through the door. I have a beer in my hand. And um, he just looked at me. And it was almost like, you know, the music stopped. I think in my head it did. I don't think it did in reality. But I believe truly that it did. And everyone stared at me. And, like, people dropped their glasses. None of this happened. This is all just in my head. But Tom did walk through those doors. And he said, come on, I'm taking you home. And he said, listen, Megan, I won't tell mom and dad if you come to church with me on Sunday. It's like, fine, that's great. Done, deal. I can take a nap, it'll be great. <laughs> well, we just happened to have adoration that night. I'd never, adoration was a, a term I'd never ever heard of in my life. I was not prepped for it. I don't think Tom even knew it was adoration at, at life night. And um, sitting there, Bob gave this incredible talk. My heart was opened. I, I was astonished at the love that I felt, at the love that I saw between the people there. And um, they brought adoration, the priest brought adoration down into the life room and the life night room. And um, that was my first encounter. I mean, I, I remember crying and knowing that that was Jesus. I mean, I know it's a very cliche, cliche because it's true yeah. um, statement. And from there, I went I lived a double life throughout high school and mm. knew that if I wanted to follow Christ, I had to, again, follow in my brother's footsteps and go to Franciscan. Because if I went to any other place, I would just continue down this road of, you know, vacillating between Christian and, uh, you know, Christian lifestyle and just debauchery. Mm. <laughs> so I went to Franciscan and really the rest is history. Like I, I really grew and developed and I feel like the Lord built my house on rock at that university and mm. healed me. And it's just ever since I'll go where you go. I'll stay where you stay, Lord. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. It's kind of a long version. Sorry. It's all right. No, I loved it. And, <laughs> and, and you called him Bob, not righteous B, correct? Okay. This is hilarious. So Bob, when he started at, so Schenectady, um, you know, it's a, it's a city, it's a small city outside of Albany. And there was all different kinds of people in those pews, all different kinds of kids. And you had some kids from the suburbs, farm, some kids from inner city, you know, all different walks of life. And kind of like Jacob said, we want to be all things, all people. Bob did as well. And he uh, he started off as like a like flip flop wearing guitar playing, you know, peace sign, hippie youth minister. <laughs> and then one day he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm making, you know working on this CD, this album, Worth the Gate's going to be Praise and Worship. It's rap. We're like, <laughs> where is this coming from? So I, I think Schenectady is what formed his identity as Righteous, righteous Being. Nice. Yeah. Schenectady, what a great name. Yeah. Is that when he had frost tips? There's a Google image of him in a Ninja Turtle shirt with Bob. I think so. I think so. Uh, yeah, my story. Talking about branding and media, media was super important in my story. I saw the passion of Christ and it changed my life mm -hmm. like a little um, before that. So in, I was super into sports, wrestled year round, traveling baseball teams. And then my dad, so this is before it was really took the nation by storm, the opioid epidemic. Mm. He got really addicted to pain prescription pills. Um, Vicodin, I think it's oxycodone or oxycontin. Mm -hmm. um, and so that started to snowball and um, it even turned into, so what happens is he was taking a lot of pills. They're super expensive, $20, $30 a pill. 
eight a day, and then they're offered heroin um, wow. as a cheap substitute. So my dad went down that road. Um, and so I was just going into high school. My parents got divorced and I, you know, puberty's coming up and your, your mind, your frontal lobe is not all there. <laughs> and so what do you think? It's like, I want to be happy. I want to be distracted. And so I just went straight into to partying. And I uh, dropped out of high school twice. First to move with my friend to Colorado to, to work for a sales company. Uh, and at, then, at what age? How old were you? This I was 17. Okay. So okay. I was 17 then. But before then, uh, what kind of snowballed that is we would just drive around. It was a small town, dirt roads. And what bad country kids do is just we smash mailboxes on Friday night and drink beer in the car. And so guy, some guy chased us that we smashed his mailbox and we ran from him in my car. We went to a party. A fight broke out. And so we we're heading home. And it was like 2.30 in the morning. And a cop pulled behind me. And my friend saw it. And the first instinct I had is to turn off the lights of the car. And I turned down a dirt road and just gunned it. So I got in a five-mile uh, high-speed chase with the cops. Like we're hitting the, the off the dirt roads. We'd hit the uh, cement roads, and it would jump. And I finally stopped because we ended up in this person's yard doing like 80 and almost hit their house and luckily missed their house. And so I stopped, and then there all the cops came from the different directions. And oh luckily gosh. it was 10 days before my 17th birthday or when I went to prison for a year. But we were brought out in handcuffs. And they they thought we were just like drug dealers running for our life. We're just super bored kids. <laughs> it's like seeing Augustine when he talked about like, why did I take his neighbor's apples and just destroy them? It's because you're just looking for excitement, mm -hmm. something to fill that void. Mm -hmm. um, and so I knew I wanted to get to get better. So I, I had to drop out because I was like last in my class. So I dropped out to adult education, started to get my life back on track, went to community college and started working at a warehouse. So there's this kid named Scotty who is um, evangelical. He was in Colorado and he was praying as a missionary and he felt like the Lord said, go home. And he was originally from Michigan. He had no idea why, but he was such a good Christian. He just went home and he didn't know what he was supposed to do. So he, he moved in with his parents and his dad worked at the same warehouse. And so he started working at the warehouse. He hurt his back. So they moved him up to the place where I was. And just at that time, another guy I worked with had asked me to go see the Passion of the Christ. And I was raised Catholic. I was like, sure. So we got the popcorn pop, you know, flirting <laughs> with some girls in the line. And we went into the movie and I slowly put down my popcorn and pop and just like was awestruck. And my heart just exploded. Just all the years I had been raised Catholic, I never heard of Jesus like that. Is usually like, you know, drawing a picture of him mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i remember leaving the theater not knowing what to do but i was like i gotta do something for jesus and we got in the car and my friend jason said will you pray with me and i, I had never prayed with somebody like that it was so intimate it was almost like he asked me to kiss him and so all i could do is just like make the sign of the cross and, and just was there but it my cousin called me like a couple of days later. Hey, do you want to go to a club? I'm like, no, I saw the passion. She's like, so did I. And I didn't know how to talk about Jesus. So I was like, oh, I shouldn't. But at that time, Scotty came up and he started to disciple me. And he started bringing mm -hmm. me to evangelical churches and getting me into my faith. But something was missing. And thank God my Catholic grandma was there. She started adoration at her parish. Mm -hmm. And she just rang. She pulled me in. And she introduced me to daily mass. 
I had I was blown away that people went to church every day. That was ridiculous. <laughs> but she said, try it. And I went up to daily mass one day. And as I was walking in the church, it was like 8 a.m. One of my friends I had partied with was driving by. And as he saw me walking into church, I could see a mouth like, what the? Explicit. Explicit, yeah. yeah. And so I just went in the doors like, all right, here we go, God. But from there, it just hooked me in adoration. And she told me about Franciscan. So I went to a youth conference there, signed up. Um, and like Megan said, the rest was history. Hmm. Yeah. Franciscan has that effect on people, it seems like. Mm-hmm. You know, this thing, you, it's interesting, your story, the thing that you have, you guys have in common is it was somebody that discipled you, like we were talking about earlier. It's that human connection. That somebody exactly. discipled you and brought you to Jesus, and, and Jesus changed your life. Yep. You know, that's awesome. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing that story um so when i hear police sirens later on i'll just send them you send them your way Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> he's over here yeah, please <laughs> so thank you very much you guys this has been um this has been great so uh, again jacob king director of youth and young adult ministry for the archdiocese of philly um megan maestrioni <laughs> we'll, we'll take it. it we'll take it no, come on don't patronize me is a bad <laughs> mastriani mastriani okay <laughs> and she's associate director of youth and young ministry for anthem philly and you can find more information on for anthem philly on the web at a-n-t-h-e-m philly.com anthem philly.com and please leave us a message we love you hearing your feedback so please um leave us a comment and our uh <sighs> <laughs> last mile yeah and of course as always please leave us a comment um you can find us at ascensionpresents.com slash podcast and leave us a comment on our show notes or you can reach us at just send us an email at ascension roundtable at ascensionpress.com thank you very much you guys have an awesome day it was great to spend time with you guys thank you again thank you so much and uh, we'll see you next time peace Mm -hmm.